podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Ashwin. I'm joined by a very special guest this week. I have James from the Cricket Badger Podcast. James has been on the show before. We've partnered, we've collaborated over the years. James, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, as I was saying just before we pressed to go live there, you've waited until the day that India beat England to invite me on, but it's good to see you. We're very strategic with our guests and uh, I would like the listeners to know for the record that I invited James to come on after India had been rolled out for 229 before England had started batting or maybe like the first over of England's batting inning. So at that point, it looked like it could have been England's game. I still thought even at that stage that England were going to struggle because England's batting has been woeful in this tournament so far. So against uh, India's bowling attack, which, uh, well, you know only too well, the likes of Jasprit Bumrah, Mohamed Shami, um, Siraj, etc. It's never easy to get uh, big runs against them. And even a, a relatively kind of mediocre total was uh, always potentially going to causing them problems, I think, today. Yeah, so let's talk about that. And so while we have you, uh, later in the show, we'll try to cover a little bit about other games that happened this week. We finally saw our first couple of close games of this World Cup, which was which was a little crazy that it took us as long as it did. But let's start with the, the match that just wrapped up. And so as we sit here, India's top of the table, undefeated in their home World Cup. England, unfortunately, bottom of the table, and lots to lots to ask about that. But let's start with the with with the game today, kind of overall. So Josh Butler did say at the at the post match presentation, he did say, you know, we would have taken two twenty nine going into into the innings break. It sounds like from how you watched it, you still felt like it was maybe a little too many. How do you feel about India's kind of batting innings overall? Uh, I mean, Rohit Sharma is one of my favourite players. He's always fantastic. His innings probably was the difference between the two sides today um, because it, I think it just took India to a total where England, if they lost early wickets, were going to be struggling. And England have tended to lose early wickets in this tournament. So as I say, I didn't think it was going to be an easy chase for England at all. I thought they'd probably make a better fist of it than they did do. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought India's batting. I mean, if there's going to be a criticism of India and it's hard to criticise a side that's 100% and, and flying in this World Cup, playing in home conditions, their tail is a little bit long. And we've seen in the past with India that if their top order misses out, which is a rarity, usually you can rely on Rohit or Virat or somebody to step up and score runs. When you get down to 8, 9, 10, 11, there's not a huge amount of batting there. And Surya Kumar Yadav was left with the task of trying to try and get up to 260 or something like that with the tail, which was always going to be difficult. So, you know, that might come back to bite India, the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 aren't necessarily um, that handy with the bat. But just generally speaking, India were under pressure at times, but they managed to get enough partnerships together to get themselves up to a score which they could defend. Yeah, I mean, I think to be transparent, it's the biggest debate we have had on the Edges and Sledges Creed podcast, which is, I think you're being generous when you say there's not a lot to work with. I think the reality is we have four number 11s, that period, right? And so the biggest issue, we have phenomenal batters, phenomenal bowlers. It's just that balance and it gets exacerbated exponentially without Hardik Pandya, right? Because he's that sort of glue that can be your sixth bowling option and still bat at a number five uh, or six. The, the trouble as well, Ashwin, is that when you go through a tournament, which India have been doing, where it's been 
pretty much plain sailing. Rowick's been scoring runs. Yeah, Virat's got centuries. And you don't necessarily expose that lower order. Even Jadeja um, at, at number seven, who's a mm-hmm. tremendous player. We've seen him in the IPL smacking sixes left, right and centre. But he hasn't had a lot of time in the middle. So the, the danger is that you can get yourself to the semi-finals where it's a one-off and you can be eliminated. And if you'd like, you know, 2019, New Zealand take a load of top-order wickets and all of a sudden you're fighting back from a from a poor start. So, yeah, it might come back to bite India. If they if they carry on playing like they are doing, it's unlikely because Rohit Sharma's been glorious, hasn't he? Yeah, let's run down that really quickly. I mean, if you're a, you're an England fan, I'm an India fan. If you're an in- England fan, you're sitting there at about the 12-over mark, I think it was, at 40 for three, right? Cole, uh, Gil's gone. Kohli's gone for a duck, which is a whole different debate for Kohli and chases versus Kohli setting target. And then Shreyas Iyer, I mean, the short ball. It doesn't take a lot of strategic thinking to get Shreyas Iyer out anymore. You just bowl the short ball. So at 40 for three, yes, you have Rohit at the crease. Yes, you have Rahul at the crease. But you're thinking, England's thinking, they can they can try to move really quickly and go for blood, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you're looking at the lineup and you're thinking another couple of wickets here and you could maybe even roll them for kind of 100, 120. Um, because, you know, if Rohit goes, Rohit's there, Talisman, he's there four man in this tournament he's so consistent uh, and he's playing that aggressive brand of cricket you know anything remotely short gets deposited over deep square for six he's so good at finding the gaps in the field in that power play in the opening ten overs so he he's crucial and that's that's another thing as well you know you get to the uh, the elimination matches at the end if he fails uh, then all of a sudden do the team start looking around and thinking oh blimey row it's out it's, it's all on us kind of thing from England's perspective at 40 for three you're thinking can they just take another couple here get down to Dejaja too early because you're looking you know from India's point of view you're looking at Dejaja coming in with 15 overs to go max to for him to hit for home you're not looking for him to be in there in the first 20 certainly so um, yeah there was a there was a chance there for England to really break the door open but Rohit and K.O. Rahul formed that partnership and just gradually took it away a little bit yeah and as I kind of look back at the game that was sort of the difference in approach, right? And it's very easy to say this in hindsight. So, so we'll take that as as armchair critics. I said we, you know, we get the benefit of doing this. But at forty for three, Rohit slowed down. He consolidated. He said he he sort of seemed to assess this pitch doesn't have a lot of runs in it. Rahul is the captain of the Lucknow IPL team, so he knows that they they, they consolidated, built a partnership. Yes, we would have hoped for you know a little bit more of a flourish at the end to get the runs. But it seemed like, and I will come to England's batting, but it seemed like England's approach was we need to hit our way out of trouble. And you saw that particularly with Stokes. I think that's the danger with England at the moment because they, in test cricket, they've kind of chosen that option to basically be on the front foot. doesn't always mean, though, in test cricket, I think people misunderstand basketball sometimes because I think basketball is taking the more positive option in whatever situation you're in, but it's reading the match situation as well. And if all of a sudden a, a fine bowler suddenly starts bowling really well at you, you soak up that pressure and then decide when to go hard again to put that pressure back on the bowler. They've been trying to do that in this Cricket World Cup, I think, with the bat. And they haven't been able to execute it because they've got so many players out of form. They're not really reading the match situation. They're not reading the surfaces. Uh, they seem to be playing from a computer kind of program in terms of stats and in terms of an- analytics and not actually with gut feel and with their own eyes at times. And I think, I mean, we've all played cricket to various standards. You can kind of do all the analytics you like, but if you you look down at the pitch and you think, well, maybe this is a 250 pitch, not, not necessarily a 350 pitch, you've got to play accordingly, haven't you? And I think after seeing India bat, yeah, I mean, net run rate was never going to be something to make up today. It was all about beating India, keeping England, you know, even if it was a remote 
hope in the competition. So it wasn't really a case of trying to knock these runs off in 30 overs and, and boost the net run rate. But I think when wickets fall, that's when you just need to put your foot on the ball, just take a breath, play the match situation, take the next five overs maybe a little bit more steadily. Doesn't mean you're not going to put the four ball away if it comes, but be a little bit more clever. Play clever cricket, play match situation cricket. Rohit did that. Um, KL Rahul did that. England didn't. Even Surikumar Yadav, by the way, who's a T20 player, watching him bat at 104 strike rate is the most, it's the most unnatural type of game for him. But he knew he had to, you know, we're getting, we got a comment in on YouTube as well uh, from Randomly Systematic that said, I think India did, in the India tail did the sensible thing by trying to play out the 50 overs. And that's kind of ODI cricket 101, right? If you're starting to collapse, at least try to get through all 50. And, and, yeah. and it was about allowing Surikumar Yadav to try and, I mean, he didn't quite get there, did he? He got out before mm-hmm. the end. But his plan was to try try and um, steer the tail to maybe over number 47 or something like that. Then in the last three, maybe just kind of launch an assault to try and boost that score Mm -hmm. up to a, a slightly better total than they ended up with. So his thought process was right. He just got out at the wrong time. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. So and before I get to the, the Indian bowling and today's match more, let me ask you kind of a broader question, right? So as I look at the points table, I think at the top you have teams led by Rohit, who's been who's been arguably very good this World Cup, Bavuma, Tom Latham, right? And then right now in fourth is Australia, which I wanted to ask you in the second half of the show. But uh, at the bottom or sort of middle bottom, you have Babar Azam. I would say Scott Edwards for Netherlands is with two wins has punched above his weight, even though it's near the bottom of the table. And so I want to ask you about your family namesake and and, and specifically Josh Butler, right? Just just the skipper, not the batter. Did, has he left a lot to be desired? Obviously, T20 World Champions uh, only a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lifted the trophy there. I just wonder with um, Joss, I, I kind of look at his body language and I think he tells a lot. He's heart on his sleeve and that can be down as well as up. And I think he's walking around like a kind of almost like a dead man walking at the moment he looks somber he looks down it reminds me of his last few test matches where it wasn't going his way and he I think he felt the writing was on the wall for his test career and, and he was right and I think at the moment he's walking around with this England team looking dour and somber and, and you know downcast I don't think that's what a captain should be you know your captain is supposed to get underneath the team and lift them and be maybe smiling when the rest are frowning and, and trying to not laughing it off and not, not misunderstanding the seriousness of the situation but being somebody I mean Ben Stokes is good a good example of that yeah. he walked into a test team for England that Joe Root had uh, you know had lost um, you know only one win in 17 wasn't it mm-hmm. and uh, so the team was down Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes but I think largely ben, ben Stokes came in and said right we're gonna we're gonna change this we're gonna be aggressive we're gonna go out there and play our brand of cricket we're gonna trust you guys you're not gonna be dropped next match if you fail and he lifted them up and, and took them on I'm not sure Joss Butler does that 
um, as a captain. I don't know him. I've never met him. So I don't know what he's like um, kind of behind the scenes. Um, and I, you know, I get the impression he's a really nice guy. But the I don't think he's necessarily a captain of a team that's struggling. Most people can captain a team that is doing well. Um, and I think he made some good decisions in that T20 World Cup. But it's easy to do then when you're winning and things are going your way. When things are not going your way, and obviously this World Cup has not gone just built the Raw England's way, that, that's when you, your metal is tested as a captain. Some people can come through that and kind of break through that barrier and get them back on an even keel. Josh Butler seems to be struggling. Yeah, and let me add link to that because you brought up the T20 World Cup and the fact that England are champions. If my mind, if my memory serves me right, I'm pretty sure Josh Butler was the only, maybe other than Alex Hales, was the only real prolific run scorer for England in that World Cup. So how much is Butler's own performance on the field tied to his ability to motivate his troops? And he's batting badly, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah we, we all seen Josh Butler at his best, which is m- much of his career in white ball cricket, is one of the most sought after players mm-hmm. in all of the T20 franchise leagues, including the IPL. And he is up there with anybody he can talk about. You know, he can he can play the kind of innings that Glenn Maxwell played. He can play the kind of innings that Rohit Sharma played. He can play all kinds of white ball cricket. He's a very clever player. In this World Cup, he has been a long way short of that in terms of his batting standard. And it does rub off because as, as an, you know, you are as a keeper as well, I think as captain and then as a batter, you want all of your disciplines to kind of be rubbing off on each other to kind of just create that kind of groundswell of positivity and have the ball rolling in the right direction. I always think with with Joss Butler, it's tough to captain a white ball mm-hmm. side. You know, you've got to stay on top of it. You feel placings, your bowling changes, all the rest of it. He does a lot of that well, but there are instances when the ball's coming back in from 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 the deep where he drops it as it comes in. And you're thinking, well, his mind's not on that catch. His mind's on the next ball. Um, so it's difficult. I mean, you mentioned Scott Edwards. He's been great. And Netherlands playing greater than some of their parts. Yeah. You, you get the impression that Netherlands are very keen on the analytics and on matchups and all on all of these kind of funky things to try and get people out. But it's working for them. But they're playing as a team and they are, they've come into this maybe with, well, obviously with slightly lesser aspirations in England. You know, they've probably achieved their their goal already with two wins and if they can pick up a third that'd be a fantastic cricket world cup for them yeah um but Scott edwards has always been on top of his field placings he's been on top of his bowlers he's batted well he's getting plaudits the confidence is high you take that into the next game and you're automatically thinking positively and thinking proactively as a captain for joss i think it's a downward spiral at the minute he's thinking negatively mm-hmm. They're getting negative feedback. So you're taking negativity into a match and that's not never a good thing. Yeah, let, let's talk then quickly about the chase today, right? Or the or the lack thereof, if you will. But but Joss, Joss has been dismissed three times so far, chasing that ball on fourth, fifth stump line, edged to the keeper, right? Wasn't wasn't a surprise. You expected Bumaran Shami, who I'll come back to in a second, but but Kuldeep, right? That kind of the, the dangerous amount of spin on the ball. You almost don't really blame him for the dismissal today because it was that side spin we haven't seen from Kuldeep since he kind of sped up his his average deliveries a little bit. And just just a peach today, right? You give him a little bit of a uh, little bit of slack today for a great ball. Everybody gets out. I mean, yeah. you mentioned Virat Kohli getting a yeah. duck. Yeah, um, he's been in tremendous form in this cricket World Cup. Everybody gets a ball that they either make a mistake to or, or it's just too good for them at times. Yeah. Um, so you can forgive um, anybody um, getting out cheaply. But I think there's just a bit of a tendency 
not for not just with Joss, but with all of the England batting. You know, David Milan's 140 seems like a long time ago now. The England batting has just been below standard. They, you know, Joe Root, who I've got a huge amount of respect for, Johnny Bairstow, the same. You know, at their very best, they are some of the best batters in the world um, in the white ball game. And they've just not brought their A game to this Cricket World Cup. It's, you know, they're a long, long way short. That kind of malaise, if, you, if, you're in, if you're in a downward spiral with your batting, you kind of see more fielders in the in the field than there are. Yeah. The gaps is the gaps are smaller. You maybe make clouded decisions in terms of what shots you take on. Uh, it doesn't yeah. help, does it? And when you when you when you're playing really well, mm-hmm. there's clarity of thought yeah. and everything's working. It always feels like there's there's fewer fielders and the one extra second of time when you're playing well. So let me with, without belaboring it all too much. Let me. So when I when I watch the games, I'm in in the U.S. My time zone isn't great, unfortunately. So I, I watch as much of the first things as I can. I, I power nap during the innings break. So that's the beauty of the 30 minute innings break. And then I wake up to watch the second. And I was sort of half awake and starting to watch the boundaries start to flow. A couple from Berso, a couple from uh, Milan, including the six. And then England had sort of raced to 30 for zero and four overs. And I'm thinking that they're going to make they're going to make easy work of this. And then come on the quick bowling pair of Bumrah and Shami. What is it that Bumrah and Shami did? You think today that you know Willie and and Wood who who had and Wokes had a, who had a good decent day, but. What did what did the Indian bowlers do better? The quicks. I mean, one thing with the Indian bowlers is they know the surfaces, don't they? Mm-hmm. They know how to bowl in India, so that's a that's a major advantage. That's one of the the great things of home advantage, isn't it? You know, you know how to play at home. Yeah. But I mean, Bumrah and Shami are just two very experienced, quality exponents of their art. Um, different bowlers, obviously. Jasper Bumrah at his very best, I think, is as good as anybody in the world across all three formats. But in ODI cricket, he's got the test skills of and um, being able to actually have that skill on the ball, but the T20 skills of the variations as well. He's got tremendous variations. He can get swing early on. Um, he, he is absolute quality. Anybody, I don't care which team it is, are going to struggle against the Jasper Bumrah and a Mohamed Shami running in, bowling as, as well as they did today. And obviously on that look now pitch was maybe a, a little bit too paced at times, mm-hmm. I felt. And uh, you know, it, it wasn't a 400 track by any means. It was probably a 250 track as a par score. Um, so you do have to maybe work a bit harder for the runs. England, I think, have done quite well of getting out the trap um, most times um, with with a few boundaries, but the wheels when they start to come off come off quite quickly for England in this tournament. Yeah, you can say that again. I mean, that's happened a few times. Let me ask you then. Similarly, Joe Root got a, got a good ball. I mean, not 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 the greatest feet foot positioning. Honestly, you saw him go across the line, which you never really see from him. Let me just ask you about Ben Stokes. Then, what was that? Just impatience? Was he saying I've done it in baseball? And is it just one of those strategies that when it works is great, but you kind of know that when it doesn't pay off, it's going to make you look silly? Mm. I mean, that that's been England's kind of strategy in one day cricket for a long time. Owen Morgan. You know, people forget the failures under Owen Morgan, and there weren't there weren't that many, but they they were playing this positive attacking brand of cricket where they were going to take it to the opposition we're going to we're going to score basically 50 more than you score if we score 450 don't matter if you get 400 we're still going to beat you and there were some days where they fell flat on the face in the preparation for that 2019 World Cup not everything was you know all singing all dancing and they lost two or three matches in the in the group stage so the last part of the 2019 group stage was was knockout cricket for England through to the semi-finals um, so yeah there is this thing with um, England and Ben Stokes is kind of the epitome of that really in that they we kind of just mentioned basketball earlier in test cricket they want to try and get back at the bowlers put, you know, rather than be this 
batter under pressure. They want to put the bowlers under pressure and give the bowlers a little bit to think about and not allow them to settle into their stride. If you're going to take that approach, you are going to get it wrong some days and you're going to attack the wrong ball or you're going to execute the attacking shot slightly wrongly. And obviously, yeah, for, for today, Ben did. I mean, just on Ben Stokes, I love him to bits as a cricketer. He's an incredible player. He's been at the very heart of England's success over the, the last four years in, in white ball cricket and obviously at the heart of most of England's success in test, the test arena. I didn't necessarily think it was the right thing to do to take him to this Cricket World Cup yeah. and to ask him to go. He'd retired from the format. He'd been playing other um, players in the, in the meantime. He's obviously a tremendous player. Is it the right thing to do to suddenly just bring somebody in from the sidelines and say, come back in because we need you? Uh, it did smack a little bit of desperation, clouded thinking. You know, there was that little bit of, shall we take Harry Brook? Shall we not take Harry Brook? And now they've taken him. They've got one of the best young players in the world just watching from the dugout, uh, in my opinion. If you, if you take him, you, you should play him. Um, so I don't think the clarity has been there at all for England since winning. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. That's a good question for me here now. now you're sitting here, the, you're England's support staff's uh, management selectors, captain, butler, etc. You got three games to go, one of which is against Australia, who we'll talk about are resurging. Then the Netherlands, who, who actually look like they could be a very real threat and wrapping up with Pakistan. There is mathematically still a chance to qualify, which is... <laughs> so you're assuming now. So what do you do from here? Do you bring a Brook back in? Do you bring in the Sam Curran who hasn't got a look? Gus Atkinson traveled with the squad, hasn't really got much of a look. He played a couple games. So how? what do you do from here? Do you try to get to mid table and revive some pride do you try to use this as an opportunity to say okay it was it, it was bad we'll reset where what do you do strategically i think England just needs a complete reset mm -hmm. um, you look at the players that they've got out there i think all of the team that played today and in the last game are over 30 you know you scroll on four years are they going to be available still are they still going to be at their very best in four years time they've got to make a judgment on some of those they need to sit down and probably talk to those players i think david milan's 36 is he still mm -hmm. going to be playing cricket at 40 probably not is he going to be england's best option when he's 40 probably not so there's, there's a few conversations to be had. Um, the likes of Bairstow, Root, etc. Are you going to be committed to the next four-year cycle of ODI cricket? If you're not, then we, we need to look elsewhere. So the future of England's ODI cricket probably in many instances, lies away from the 11 that play today or the squad that's out there. Gus Atkinson is an interesting one because he'd only played, I think, a couple of list A mm -hmm. games before he got selected by England. He'd made his name in the 100, bowling sets of five balls, taking wickets, bowling quickly. That doesn't prepare you for bowling, bowling in 50 over cricket. You need that experience behind you of you know, building up a spell. You don't build up spells in T20 and in, in, in the 100. You kind of have your bag of tricks. You just hope it comes off for you. You take a few wickets and you walk off the pitch after bowling only a handful of balls. You've potentially got 60 balls to bowl in an ODI in maybe two or three spells. There's a whole different challenge there for a bowler. But you know, if, if they've identified him as being somebody for the future, play him in the next three, get him some experience. Yeah. Uh, make him, you know, hopefully get some success so that in four years' time he can possibly even lead this attack and and, and uh, get that trophy back. Yeah, and Sam Curran's still 25, right? So he may be somebody... Sam if Curran infuriates the hell out of me, I have to say. Because <laughs> there's some days you watch Sam Curran play yeah. and he's a world-beater. He's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You know, batting and bowling. He looks absolutely brilliant. You know, in, in the last T20 World Cup, he was the player of the tournament. There's other days it looks like some kids want a ticket to play for England and he's so far off the 
pace yeah. is is some unreal. You know, he got the big price tag at the IPL and didn't particularly deliver on that in the IPL. And I think if um, Sam Curran really wants to kick on and be a star for England, he needs to, I can say, add some add some kind of tricks to his strings to his bow. But he just needs more consistency because he, when he's ordinary, yeah. he's very ordinary. When he's good, he's brilliant. Yeah. But there's there's few and far between. Um, and you know, consistency is important. If you're playing at the top level, you can't just be off it one day and on it the next. You've got to, you know, if, if you're wearing an England shirt, you've got to deliver um, pretty much all the time, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. There's not that many young players in that squad to actually really blood. You know, everybody's had a go and, and to a large extent failed. Even beyond the squad then, you know, as I, as I look from the outside, other than the 2019 World Cup, it really feels like England is gearing shorter format, T20, 100, whatever you want to call it, and then test cricket, right? Is there sort of the middle getting squeezed out with not a lot of young players wanting to be ODI experts? I could give you a three-hour answer on this. I'll try <laughs> and keep this more succinct. But yeah. I think after they won the 2020, 2019 World Cup, they rightly took the plaudits. And I think it's important to say that a lot of the players that are playing in this team, they've underperformed massively in this Cricket World Cup, but England fans have a huge, um, it shouldn't be too hard on them. They've got a huge amount of things to thank them for because they brought the 2019 World Cup, they brought the, the um, T20. Um, so they've done a huge amount of good for English cricket. They've just had a bad few weeks in India. But I think after 2019, um, there was... Obviously, they accepted the plaudits, awards, and and the glitz and glamour. But then it just seemed to take their eye off the ball. You know, fifty over cricket was no longer important. The hundred came in. Fifty over cricket in England domestically is now a almost a second eleven tournament played underneath the hundred. Yeah, you're not necessarily giving youngsters. I mean, like I said Gus Atkinson's hardly played a list A game uh, because he's playing the hundred instead of fifty over because it's at the same time. But they didn't really, you know, in in terms of the ODIs they've played in the run up to this tournament. That wasn't proper preparation. I, I did a tweet the other day. There's that quote, which is um, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And England just have not prepared in any way. In, in the four years from the disappointment in 2015 to the 2019 success, Owen Morgan got that by the scruff of the neck. They made a plan. They stuck to the plan. They became the best side in the world and they won the World Cup. In the four years since 2019, they've done none of that. They've kind of almost been arrogant, complacent, um, sat back, thought, we've got the players still, we can just rock up and we're going to be okay. I saw Rob Key do an interview with Sky Sports News the other day um, saying that if they'd had their way, they could have come to England earlier, sorry, to India earlier to prepare, but, but they had to play cricket in England. They had to play a, an island series, a three um, ODI island series, where none of this current side were playing in. It's complete waste of time. Well, it was almost insulting to Ireland that it was the England Lions playing Ireland. None of those players got on the plane to go to India. Why didn't they send a couple of coaches out with that team earlier? If that was Rob Key you know, thinking that was the best preparation. We'll send them out earlier and get some practice matches in. You all play the proper team against Ireland. Yeah, you because know, the Ireland, it was just, it was a, basically gift gift wrapping some caps to a few people that aren't quite ready for them yet in yeah. some cases but that that England Lions team that played against Ireland contained some interesting names Rian Ahmed mm-hmm. um, Leicestershire um, spinning all rounder um, Zach Crawley mm-hmm. um, Ben Duckett you know some proven test players that maybe have a future for England in ODIs um, Sam Hain who has got an incredible list day record for Warwickshire um, has been largely ignored by England in terms of ODI cricket or T20 cricket he surely gets a bit of a run now to a chance to prove himself 
himself at the top deck. So there's, there's a number of players, I think, that are bubbling under for England who they need to start taking 50 over cricket seriously. They need to get some proper ODIs in. Uh, four years' time, they need to use that 12 months, 24 months ahead of that next World Cup to prepare properly for it and to actually play the proper team because when they, even when they toured Bangladesh, I think only Joss Butler was part of that team. It was, that was largely a Lions um, setup as well. They only got close to playing their full-strength team in the five-match series against New Zealand in England in the summer. And that was obviously in English conditions. Did we really learn yeah. anything that we didn't know already? I'm not sure we did. As much as I would love to continue talking about uh, Team England and the phenomenal win for Team India today, uh, we, we should move on. And I want to talk a little bit more about congratulations to all our Indian fans and to Team India. Outstanding win and commiserations with Team England. A lot of soul-searching to do, a lot of a lot of work ahead. India will win this Cricket World Cup unless India beats itself. Yeah, that's it. I think you've said that well. and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Let me ask you from an Indian team perspective, what do you do with the quick bowlers? Because Shami was left on the sidelines, rightly so. I think Siraj had the form going in as the second quick. You don't touch Bumrah. And then he came in and picked up a five for and a four for. And his, you know, they say, they tell cricketers, make sure you're banging the walls down when you get the opportunity. And boy, has he done that. So what do you do if you're if you're selecting India's 11? I mean, one of the things, just, just before I answer that, 15 people in that team, all of them would get into every other side in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You've got Ishan Kishan, Surya Kimiyadav's been mm-hmm. in that dugout. Yeah, R. Ashwin, yeah. the bowler. Yeah. He's sitting from watching yeah. from the sidelines. So yeah. they would walk into any other side in the tournament. Uh, and Mohamed Shami is no different. I, I love Siraj as a bowler. He's, they, they've got kind of different kind of styles and mm-hmm. mindsets, aren't they? Siraj is up and at them trying to get wickets. Shami is consistent. Bumrah's got all of his tricks. Um, they've all got a place in a in an Indian side, I think. I'll tell you what's going to be interesting. Um, will they... You asked me about England's next three games. India are pretty much qualified now aren't they They, Mm -hmm. it's really just a case of jockeying for position for who you play in the semi-final Mm -hmm. so there is a temptation to maybe rest a few people um, and to make sure that they're ready for the semi-finals I don't like that strategy I'd Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to keep a winning team together and to keep that ball rolling into the semi so that you just basically hit the ground running in the last four and and take it through to the trophy if you start to bring an Ishan Kishan in for a Rohit Sharma to give him a couple of games off um, you rest a Virat Kohli you rest a Jasprit Bumrah and then you lose a couple not only have you lost a couple but then you have got you know some very important players that have been sitting in the sidelines for a while who have lost the form and haven't yeah. played as much so I think for India if I was in charge of India I'd keep them you know keep that A team together and just say win the next five let's lift this World Cup let's go through with 100% record and let's do it in style yeah I, I could not agree with you more I think no question about Virat Rohit Bumrah Kuldeep, none of those names get dropped for me. For me, the question becomes, okay, second seamer. Rohit seems to like to play three seamers. And exactly the point you opened with, which was we have four number 11s, that stays the same. Now, I would have traded the 20-odd runs that Shardul gets you at number eight for the four wickets Shami got you any day of the week. I, I think right call. But I think that's the that's the tinkering they potentially do. Shreyas has looked a little a little scrappy, especially against a team with good good quicks who can bowl a short ball. Maybe you bring in an, bring in an Ishan there to... Um, you know, bring in a lefty option and a better player of the short ball. Maybe as Hardik starts to come back, you push Surya Kumar up to up to four, or you push Rahul up to four, play him at five. Those are the potential things you tinker with in the next three games, not not the fundamentals. I, I like Shardle. Neil, who comes on a, on my podcast, we've been talking about the Indian side. He was uh, saying that you know you, you play Shardle Tucker, hoping you don't use him, but he's there if you need him. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of fucking back up. He's a little bit like um what's his face? Mark Chapman in the New Zealand side. Yeah. Hardly yeah. seen him. Yeah. Hardly seen him at all, but he's there yeah. if they he's if there. they ever get down that low. Yeah. Um so you know, Charles Takur can score you a fifty coming in lower down, can't he? So um I can see that, you know, if he comes in at number eight, it does kind of just add an extra barrier before you get through to Jasper and and, yeah. and the rest of them. Who, and I, Jasper Bummer can play a little crazy cameo, can't he? But he can also be out first ball. Yeah, maybe he's a number ten instead of an eleven, is the point. Yeah. He's not an eight, right? I think the only other person potentially is Ashwin. And so on a pitch like today, on a pitch on maybe in Kolkata when they play uh, at the Eden Gardens, that's a potential space to bring in Ash at number eight because he can bat and get you that 50. Well, if there's, not, there's not many England cricket fans that can believe that Ashwin doesn't play every single match for India. Yeah, I know. Obviously, with Jadeja, you've got a left um, left arm handed bat. He's incredibly explosive, and in one day cricket, his white ball bowling is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But um, in India, on on the surfaces you have, I'd play Ashwin alongside Jadeja every day of the week. I think it, you know, Jadeja at seven, Ashwin at eight, uh, and then whatever from there on. You know, you, you've got every base covered. Then yeah, well said. I think good 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 situation for Team India to be in. Let me ask you about some of the other things that happened this week, and we've gone a little over what I said we would go. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, where we got lots of comments coming in, so people are loving this. As I tried to summarize the week, right, it started with Afghanistan's victory over Pakistan, which I'm not even sure I could call an upset, to be totally honest. And then I tried to summarize Pakistan lost both their games against Afghanistan and then against in the first first real close match of the tournament against South Africa. Bangladesh lost both theirs and then England lost both theirs as South Africa and Australia won both theirs. Again, one was close, right? But you're starting to see this rift in the points table. So A, do you see anybody breaching that top four or is India... South Africa, New Zealand, uh, Australia set. I think I'll say it's just who plays who, isn't it? It's who finishes yeah. first, second, third, fourth. Okay. I can't see anybody. Uh, I can't. Well, I can't see um, any of those four losing enough games to yeah. bring anybody else into it, even if somebody else won all theirs. So uh, then, let me ask you about Australia in particular, right? So coming into the World Cup, they played a five-match series against South Africa, where they went up to when they where they went up two zero and then lost three on the trot. Yeah, and then they lost against India and lost against South Africa. Now, in hindsight, we all started writing them off after the first two losses oh my gosh bottom of the table zero for two but they played what has proven to be the two top teams in the tournament so far yeah. and now they've won four on the trot including david warner finding his form including you know a very very a massive total against uh, the new zealand that they just about managed to defend but they did defend it and so are you starting to see a lot of questions in the chat but are you starting to see australia re-emerge as this threat of being five-time world cha- world cup champions you can never write new zealand and australia off um in global tournaments can you new zealand always seem to find a way to get at least to the final four um and australia and no matter how they've played, always seem to manage to win enough games to be competitive towards the end. I don't think either side wins this, by the way. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I think there's some weaknesses still in that Australian side. David Warner's top order runs have masked some slow batting from Labashane Smith, etc. in the middle yeah. overs. Glenn Maxwell, though, finding form, has kind of then again masked it at the end because they've been yeah. really quick to start with. Even against New Zealand, they, they blasted out the traps, got to nearly 200 for no loss, then lost the openers. Labashane Smith stunk up the joint for a while, um, slowed everything down. And then um, Maxwell and some of the lower order kind of fired them up to a, a bigger score. Maxwell's 100 the other day was just awesome. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. I mean, I just, I looked away and... Every- 
I, you look, you turned away and you come back and you suddenly he's 30 more runs. It was just the, the speed with which he got to that century was unbelievable. And, and any team that's got somebody that can do that can win matches. Semi-finals, finals. If Maxwell rocks up, if Warner does what he's been doing, if Travis Head and um, plays like he did, and then Maxwell adds that extra um, bit of pixie dust at the end and you can rack up 400, you're in a match, aren't you? And anybody, yeah. India, um, New Zealand, South Africa will be in a fight if that's the case. So, you know, you can't rule out Australia. They they just know how to navigate a major tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think the last question I wanted to ask you, so as I thought about India and the five wins on the trot they had, they were all chasing. A tougher win today defending a total, but the bowlers showed, showed they could do it. South Africa on the flip side had only won while setting these massive totals, so not a great chasing side. Against Pakistan, they managed to get Pakistan all out for 270, and yet they showed, despite some Aiden Markham heroics, they struggle in the chase. And phenomenal finish, right? Uh, Keshav Maharaj hits this. It, it was oddly reminiscent of India versus Pakistan the T20 match where Navaz gets the ball, bowls it, bowls kind of the wide outside the right-hander's le- uh, left pad going forward. Ashwin in that situation chose to leave it and take the wide, and Maharaj chose to, to I want to call it sweet, but some sort of a, a, a hoik, if you will, yes. and get it to the boundary. The South Africa start to shake this sort of choker's tag, if you will. It wasn't a must-win, but they were they were almost in a spot where they were they could have lost it and they managed to pull that out. How big is that for them psychologically? Nobody was talking about South Africa, South Africa really ahead of this tournament, and mm-hmm. I actually had them as an outsider for the semi-finals. But they play better than that, really. For me, they are India's biggest threat in this tournament because they um, I think they probably benefited from the fact that nobody was much was talking about them, so they came in without any expectations. And when they get to the semi-finals, because they will be there, they will be in a situation where pretty much everybody in their team has contributed along the way. You know, whether it's Heinrich Klassen, whether it's Quinton de Kock, whether it's the bowlers, you know, everybody seems to have kind of put their hand up at some stage for South Africa. So there's going to be a lot of confidence in that camp. Confidence and momentum is huge in one-day cricket. And South Africa have that in absolute you know, heaps of quantities. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they are playing really, really well. So, I mean, I hope they don't chop and change. Um, Rabada missed out the other day with a little bit of a niggle. Hopefully, hopefully he's okay because he's important for them. Mm-hmm. But South Africa looked the real deal. You know, we've seen some big South African teams in the past, A.B. de Villiers, Lance Cluners, Alan Donalds, etc. Yeah. And they've always been tipped for the very top. This South African team could have been unheralded, but actually could become the first South African side to win it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting interesting point because they are probably a better better 11 than they are any superstars really i mean there's some who are a quinton de cock or about are, are up there but they're not ab de villiers and alan donald's level of superstars no. so i've said for me as as much as an indian fan i want to say it's india I, i've said for me we have the, we have the best top order but markram Klassen, miller is the best four five six and it's a powerhouse in the middle. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and that's what wins you. That may not may win you t twenties. It sure as heck wins you ODIs when you're playing. And then you've got hours. Marco Janssen coming in at seven, who can be a bit hit and miss, but on his day he can hit some big balls as yeah. well. So that four five six seven for South Africa, if they've got the foundation from the top order, is able to catapult them up to something ridiculous. Couldn't agree more. All right, so we've heard your prediction. It's going to be the same top four. It's going to be just a matter of where people where where teams finish. It sounds like you're predicting an India South. Africa final and then yep. India to go all the way? As I said, India can only beat themselves. Okay. 
But it's one day cricket, isn't it? Yeah. On their day, when it comes right down to it, with the pressure of the final in front of a big home crowd, will Rohit stand up? Will Virat stand up? They have done in the past. There's no reason to doubt them. But you only need a couple of cracking balls from Rabada and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the skids are on and uh, and maybe a bit of doubt creeps in. That's the only thing that can ruin it for India. Because for me, they are the best team in the tournament. I said at the start, they're 80% likely to win this tournament. Mm -hmm. I'll probably make it 85% now. Yeah, there are other teams in this tournament by the time they get to that semi-final final stage we'll have bags of confidence we'll have, have people in form and it just needs to go right for them on the day you know on one day cricket is that uh, yeah. what's the slogan of this tournament it, take, it only takes one day yeah. it only takes one day to lose it as well can't that's, it that's it that is very well said I mean I think 5th of November India plays South Africa in the group stage and that match is going to be very telling it'll be interesting to see if India wants to chase and South Africa wants to set a total to play to their strengths or they each want to challenge themselves and South Africa wants to try to chase and India wants to try to set yeah. a big total James this has been a ton of fun thank you for for coming on thanks for taking the extra time do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and your show that's cricket underscore badger on twitter um and then you can uh, if you just put cricket badger podcast into google it will Perfect. prop up you'll find me we've both been doing these shows a long time so i really appreciate you coming on it's always great to have a chat even though i'm sure it hasn't been the best day uh, in england or for for british fans or english fans as a whole it's cathartic ashwin chance to get things off my chest yeah that's the beauty of writing these podcasts Podcast Network.